Welcome to Scrappy ABM, your source for groundbreaking approaches that don't break the bank. ABM shouldn't cost 200K in tech to even get started. So if you want to get started with ABM or make your program even better without investing a massive amount of money, you're in the right place. Each week, we'll hear from the brightest minds in the marketing world who are redefining ABM, achieving incredible results with untraditional methods, limited resources, and a whole lot of creativity. This isn't a show about how much money you can spend on fancy tech or overhyped tools. Instead, it's about celebrating creative problem solving and the scrappiness it takes to get ABM right. We'll dive into how these marketing leaders built robust ABM strategies with limited resources, revealing the actionable insights that led to their biggest wins. So if you're a marketer ready to challenge the status quo and build a scalable, efficient, effective marketing strategy, Scrappy ABM is the show for you. So if you're ready to discover ABM strategies that are lean, impactful, and utterly transformative, let's dive into this episode. Hello and welcome to Scrappy ABM. This is your podcast where we dig into practical playbooks that do not break the bank. Today, I am so excited to be joined by Blake Williams, who is the founder and CEO of Amp Factor. Blake, thanks for joining me today. What's up, Mason? Thanks for having me on, man. Super pumped to kick it live with you because let's put it really bluntly, you have dominated the partnership and ABM space. So especially with the rise of Nearbound, I can tell you the number of people that are asking, how do we do ABM through our partnership channel? So really excited to dig into it. And we've got a very practical playbook that anybody can go and steal. But before we get into that playbook, I just want to hear from you, like, what's the mindset that you walk in with? as you're thinking through how do we leverage our partnership channel for an account-based marketing program? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you just said it right there is that like the, the key word is, is leverage, right? So in anything that we do, how do we put a little in and get way more out of it, right? That a multiple return. And then ultimately, how do we start stacking that leverage, which I think is our job as marketers to stack multiple touch points, elements of a campaign, pieces of value in an offer so that ultimately we're putting things in front of people that they just can't say no to, or that they just want to say yes to. So either way, you know, I, I think that's what's happening inside of partnerships is that it allows you to subsidize some of the money that you might spend earning trust, awareness, and engagement on your own because they've already deployed that capital for you. So there's no such thing as free lunches. Somebody's paying for that trust, but it doesn't necessarily need to be for you and for partners to kind of pull the risk pool the trust and you can go into that pool as long as you do it in a considered and a very value-driven way. So inside of partnerships, that's what I think is happening in ABM as a mentality, as a methodology, as a framework, and then as plays should manifest the, that exact same way. Yeah, I really love that approach of, again, the goal of marketing is to get leverage and then stack leverage so that you can continue to see exponential growth. And especially as we think about the role of marketing and partnerships, it's how do we build trust? So by doing marketing through partnerships, you only expedite the ability to build trust with your best fit customer. So let's dig into a specific playbook. As we're thinking through what we're going to be talking through today, how would you frame up this playbook? What would you call this playbook? I think it has a couple of different data tags to it. It's going to have ABM on it. It's going to have partnerships on it. Within that specifically, it'll have a two-partner type of campaign, which is how, if I'm a small company, say I'm in Amfactor, how do I get a big company to, to value me? For the most part, if I think I'm ever going to try to drive value with those folks, one, I need to create a relationship, but two, I need to figure out how I orchestrate value for them, right? Uh, it doesn't always need to be a give first type of scenario. Sometimes you just need to find the right alignment of how the business economics work together. So It'll have that partnership tag, a two partner campaign tag, and then influencer model, which all three of those come together to have the outcome of like the TLDR on this is that we're going to focus on 
creating content together for our mutual audiences so that all of us have more first party intent or data around what those uh, accounts want or need from us. And we'll be doing that with partners. I love it. So the TLDR is again, two partners and focusing on specifically for a small organization, how do we pool essentially the trust of our various partners together to right. actually create a larger brand presence than we would otherwise. It right. sounds like as we're thinking through this play, it's probably a pipeline generation focus as opposed to an expansion or an acceleration play. Yeah. I mean, you know, you think about it however you want to. If I'm tying up to a company like Salesforce and I'm in the HR tech vertical and what I need from that company, what I need from that vertical is I need those top sellers to want to engage with me, walk me into deals so I can walk them into deals. But I need a relationship with them that allows both of us to take our ICP rich environments and kind of cross pollinate. Right. Um, now, if most of those sellers aren't going to get out of bed for a deal that's less than a million dollars. So how do you matter to them? Right. Sometimes you can't spiff them. Right. And you can't you know pay them directly, uh, but you can sponsor them. Right. And I, I, I'm waiting for the company to come out and say that they won't let their individual employee be a sponsored influencer by any other brand. Right. Um, that probably won't go over very well. And so far, it's gone through our legal processes, multiple customers' legal processes very, very well. So ultimately, that's what's happening. Okay. So if we were to give somebody just a quick TLDR, it's like the employee sponsored influencer at your target account. Yeah. I yeah. love that. So that's if you're thinking, it through the tech stack, what's the tech that's required to pull off a play like this? I mean, you might just need CapCut, you might need Zoom, things that are already, you're going to have one version or variety of the other. If you need free, just do Google. Ideally, you're going to sit down and you know, all of this functions really well if you can create a influencer marketing maturity model. And so in this maturity model, you want to create at least two to three different stages that somebody can get started with and then progress. Everyone always wants to see how far can I go, especially with secondary income. So you're offering sellers the opportunity to create content for your mutual fit accounts based on what they think and what you think are the best topics that we should be talking about momentarily. What's on that seller's mind is probably what most of their buying counsel is dealing with. Nine times out of 10, once you stroke a check and you're paying for that month's worth of content, they're going to be very forthcoming about here's who I'm talking to. Here's why, here's what we're dealing with. I need a video around this so I can send it to X, Y, and Z. So now you're leveraging ABM to create content for the wider audience, but you're also going multi-threaded, right? You're decreasing the risk that that deal is going to fail, increasing the risk that you're going to get pulled in and it's maybe on your brand. So I really just want to unpack this for people. You're talking about the concept of going to a target account and sponsoring one of their employees to essentially be an influencer that creates content with your brand right. so that two things happen. One, you get directly into the mind of your buyers because they're telling you exactly what they're thinking because they're creating content with you. Mm -hmm. But two, you actually also create this uh, one to many type play because people like to partner up with those that are with familiar brands that they know. So right. that's the like, that's the intersection of partnership and ABM. Am I understanding that correctly? Almost. So it can be ran either way, but the way that we run it is that instead of the target account being the target, because that's a one shot, one kill thing. What I'm looking for is if I'm going to Salesforce, I'm looking for that sales leader who is still you know, selling it to enterprise deals. She or he is at the top of their leaderboard because everybody else is going to you know, follow what they do, but they're using, they're going out, out to multiple accounts. So that's the person that I want to enable with that same amount of money. And so we're talking about 
We use $6,000 a month. We cut that up into, say, four bodies, $1,500 a piece. And ideally, what we're trying to do is create a portfolio of people who, because every seller wants their personal brand built. There's nobody who doesn't. It's just who gets over the, the scaries and starts to put out content. And this is a way that says, hey, look, we'll handle the post-production. We're going to pay you $1,500. Talk to us about the content. Now, you need to learn our product so that both of our content aligns, which means that now your partner is educated on what you actually sell, which is the goal, right? Uh, everyone's trying to figure out how do I get my partner to know intimately about how I add value? This is a very cheap way to accomplish that goal because you can show up to meetings and you know all types of after dinner events and nobody's going to pull back how you help their customer make progress. So ultimately that's the strategy. Target the sellers. Okay. This is incredible. Like this is super freaking smart. As we dig into specifically the influencer marketing maturity model. So you had outlined yeah. essentially how do you tear out the kinds of people you want to go after? And let's dig into that. What is that practically? And how can somebody build out their model? Yeah. Practically speaking, like part, think about it this way too. Partnerships have a big job. They are a one-to-many type of thing. When I think about creating leverage, part of what I would say is, hey, look, if I'm going to find four sellers at uh, four different partners who are going to create content for our mutual audiences together, one of my SL, I have SLAs for them. I need three text posts, you know, every two weeks, I need two videos, right? Define the deliverables, but I also need you to make a presentation to your entire sales team once a quarter so that I don't have to do it, but it's part of your responsibility. So I just multiplied myself again, how do we stack leverage to create outcomes that we want? And if you pick the right seller, at the top of the leaderboard, then everybody else is taking that as, well, let me make some notes because this is what I'm about to go do. Maybe I'm going to go create content and maybe one day I'll get sponsored, right? So articulate the things that, that you want at a base level. And that's your $1,500 ticket. Establish a number wherever you feel comfortable, but ultimately your job is to create a six-month test to find out which one of your sellers is going to rise to the top. Yeah. Maybe all of them do, maybe 50% fail. Ultimately, you're buying leverage that you never would get otherwise. So that's step one. Step two is you just increase the ask, increase the ask, increase the money. Now, if you're paying somebody $1,500 a month in disposable income at the end of the six months or whatever the trial is, that's, that's a bunch of money that they would, that they can just blow away and you built up their personal brand. So you've created relationships that you can now rotate that program around to, but say they get motivated and they start mapping accounts with you using Crossbeam. They start talking about and orchestrating that across the sales team to see how they can win better. And now you get a strategic partnership. And ultimately, that's all happened because you created an incentive for them or a reason for them to actually care about you. Okay. So again, essentially pilot program, find some great mm -hmm. people. And I love the approach of identify the best sellers because a lot of organizations are elevating their best sellers and providing them the platform to say, how are you doing what you're doing? And right. if you can then fill in that slot once a quarter to say... Well, I'm actually partnered up with, with Blake at Amp Factor, and this right. is what we're doing together that's actually helping us win better together. You just had a bunch of sellers that took notes to say, we should probably explore a partnership, and mm -hmm. the only name that they now know for a partnership is Blake. That is a right. genius move. And then you mm -hmm. also get the, essentially, amplification externally. Now, my big question is, it sounds like, for lack of a word, you're trying to identify rising stars that need the additional help from the post-production side to create better content. So how right. are you identifying those people? So there has to be some familiarity. So your partnership leaders are going to be the people who already know the deal. 
they already know the ins and outs. They already know who is making big waves, who's locking down the eight figure deals. And if they don't know, they have the relationship to ask. So you ultimately want to start there, start with those partnership leaders and let them tell you or put them on a mission to go find out 100% Lincoln. That's right. Force multiplier. They'll rush over, grab that enterprise seller because their counterpart is also looking for a way to add value to their sales team. And so, you know, anytime somebody gives you free money like this to help you build your brand, build your business as a seller, people are going to be running at the opportunity, maybe even competing for it. So it sets you up for that. So that's the best way. I, you can ID those people by just going out and asking your partnership leaders to help you out. So again, if somebody's thinking through, okay, I want to be able to get this launched, you know, next yep. month, go to the partnership leader and say, hey, who are the top 10 accounts that we're working with from a partnership perspective? And right. then who are the best people that keep sending us opportunities? Can we right. float to their leadership team this concept? So that's actually right. a good question. Like, are you floating it to the leadership team and getting approval from leadership within your partners? Or are you going direct to the sellers? I think it's yes. Again, you want to borrow the trust. So if you can go through partnerships and get that partner to partner connection, let that partnership leader take it to the EVP of sales. Then it's like, hey guys, we've got this new seller program. You know, any one of you can end up getting sponsored. Maybe you apply for it. Maybe you raise your hand, that kind of thing. Or you let the EVP of sales select who they want to get that kind of boost, and then it'll make its way back. Okay. That's incredible. Yeah. So as far as, I mean, it really sounds like from a content and production side of things, you're helping them with ghostwriting social content. You're helping them with video production. As you've done this approach, what are the actual yeah. tangible things that you're helping these influencers create? Yeah, you ultimately want to identify... Because they're also sellers too. They're not experienced content creators. So when it gets down to brass tacks and you start hitting play, you don't want to do recordings or any of those kinds of things. You want to stay away from scripts, but you do want to rehearse, which sellers are great at. And you want to find the elements that you can just pull their string, let them go, and you can just volley back and forth. And Or somebody who's good at being moderated. So there is a little bit of a, a test that you have to do. Just let's get on camera and let's see how you do before you hire them. So you are doing that. You own 100% of the content production. They can approve it. You agree on the thesis, the outline, the underlying POV that's actually going to work for your demand gen. And then everything will focus around creating the hub and spoke pieces of content. I also should preface this. Don't just go out there and grab some random partner. Get into a crossbeam and find out what the overlapping account value is. If you don't know what that means, it's a CRM to CRM technology that identifies Basically, it helps me as a seller sell tall, deep, and wide into Mason's customer base, and it helps him sell tall, deep, and wide into my customer base without us going onesie twosies. We can put the whole data set together, find out what the overlaps are. You guys are hearing about nearbound and ecosystem-led growth. That's tactically what that means, but really what it means is those are ICP-rich or purified audiences that you can go out to with an ABM campaign and speak to a single persona, borrow trust, awareness, and engagement, and soften the dirt for any seller. Now, if you already are using this model and then you get the sellers to do that work on your behalf, you're just being walked through the door every single time. And that's an ABM play all day long. I love it. We're going to get yeah. really tactical for a moment. So you create this content on behalf of these people. And again, yes. It's largely what is going to be the most impactful for the audience, but also probably what your internal capabilities can execute on. So if we own 100% of the content, are we also posting the content as the organization or are we just providing it to them and tagging? Like, what's that relationship look like from an actual content distribution perspective? 
Yeah, it's their job to post. So there's, there is SLAs. This is not some free giveaway. There's a statement of work. There's SLAs that they have to hit. The way that they post, all of that has to be met or you don't get paid. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, we're measuring for outcomes, which we want to get to. I love it. And then as far as, again, I love the concept. It makes a ton of sense. What are the roadblocks or things that as you've tried to implement this kind of unexpectedly pop up and make this maybe a little bit more difficult? You know, sometimes, you know, people get sick, they have family issues, they have disruptions and things like that. And so it's not like there's no agency bench over there. It's just a single person. It's John and John's out for two weeks now. So that means if he's one of your four, that your demand gen campaign is now down one leg, hmm. you know, producing three quarters. So you just have to be aware of that going into it. What I would suggest is that you don't frame this as a silver bullet. This is a way to leverage this is just what sellers do. We leverage relationships to create a way for us to borrow trust and access audiences that we don't have access to today, cheaper than we could yesterday. Ultimately, this is that same play. Let's not overthink it. If we can pay somebody to borrow their audience and their account list for six months, then let's rock and roll. Yeah. The outcomes from that are that we want a number of introductions done every single month. Maybe it's two intros. Let's frame it that 5% of our results that we measure for here are going to be intro or pipeline related. The rest, we're going to mirror the market. The 95% of the market that's not ready to buy, we're going to be looking for engagement. We're going to be looking for conversations. We're going to be looking for questions, people asking for templates, different things like that. No, I, I love that. And just the practicality of these are people. So yeah. you know, something may happen, but just kind of factoring that in as you think through it, it's okay if there's one week where somebody's down, they just need to make up the content from a production or from a distribution perspective. So again, as you've done this, like what are the results that people are able to get out of this kind of a playbook? Well, the, the real reason that we came up with this is that a lot of times between partnerships, there's a power imbalance. It's just like dating. It's like a five date and a nine, right? Somebody's got the power, somebody's chasing all the time. And so somebody's always got a bigger book of business, but how do we, how do we find ways to equate ourselves or become important to them, especially hmm. when they have so many options? I mean, literally there's, the, the other partner's job is to go create way more options. So we came up with this because one of our customers had been sending referrals for a year and a half and they kept taking the referrals and they were closing them and they just weren't getting the reciprocation that we wanted to see. Hmm. So we we're like, how do we get them to care? And they threw partner events and they did all these other things. So ultimately it came down to just putting more money in sellers pockets, right? Just recognizing how people behave, aligning those incentives and then, creating a model around it that allowed them to legally. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I, I love that. Cause I've, I've worked in partner programs previously and we tried to just essentially directly spiff and right. you had mentioned it at the beginning, like some organizations will say that is not allowed, but if you create essentially an exchange of services, right. then it makes more sense. So I love that as mm -hmm. far as tangible results. I mean, what are things that people have seen as they've actually implemented this program? Yeah. In the very first month and the customer that we're talking about, they, they got their 12 introductions. So they went from having over the last quarter, one or two introductions to net new customers to all the sellers meeting their SLA, doing the two introductions of a high intent customer where they already briefed them on, are you in market for this? Are you looking for that? Blah, 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 making the introduction. And then the, the rest of the content, you know, you got to kind of take it worth a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. Their networks are probably around 1500 to 2,500. They're not massive influencers. So this is a nano influencer play. Small market or small audience means hopefully great penetration. Because if you post a video and you only have 2,500 followers, you're likely to get 3,000 views. You might've maxed out that entire network. 
of relevancy. And every seller, you have to tell them to do this. They just connect to everybody in the buying council they can. And again, I want to quickly outline at that rate, it's $500 an introduction because you put six grand on it on a monthly basis. You got 12. So right. again, from a opportunity acquisition cost, you're paying 500 bucks on top right. of also getting additional content and awareness. Right. So this just seems like a no brainer. That's what I say. <laughs> Seriously. So, that's incredible. So before we dig into closing thoughts around how to better build scrappy ABM programs, as it relates to this specific playbook, is there anything that you feel like we missed that as somebody's maybe trying to go and run with this today that they really need to know? Yeah, I would say here would be my pilot recommendation. You want to run this program for 120 days, no less. Don't let somebody try to try this for 30 days because you're talking about people and you need them. Content creation just takes a little bit to get used to. So plan out 30 days to plan and create the content to give yourself a head start before you start to post. Don't launch the program, jump right into content creation and then end posting and then run 90 days of posting. What you're looking for is that you want to review performance once a week, right? So altogether over 120 days, that's 12 review meetings. You want to adjust content based on outcomes. Two weeks is enough to tell if your posts are landing or not. You want the influencer posting to launch with and maybe even lead to webinars. So you can use that as a top of funnel type of awareness for the specific accounts that they're talking to and that they're emailing directly. So leverage some of that content piggyback it with any high intent or low intent webinars that you may be running. And then just use an account-based engagement model around this. So find out from these sellers what their account list is, if you can't hook up directly with technology and see if you're actually tracking to identified opportunities with those accounts. That's the long and short of it. Yeah, I really love that playbook. And if we think about when people are listening to this right now, you could hypothetically go to your partner leader before the end of the week, and then next week is Thanksgiving. So maybe you've scheduled some calls the week after, yep. but then you've got really the month of December where you could plan this out. And hypothetically, if you could really move quick, you can actually launch this for Q1 and run this as a pilot in Q1. So again, Absolutely. even based on the current timelines, you can still run this as a starting program for next year. So as, yeah. as we close out, Blake, is there anything else that you'd love to just offer the audience as they're thinking about kind of building an ABM playbook in general? Yeah. I mean, you can always just come talk to me, connect with me. Um, happy to help you build out and shape any program around overlapping data and leveraging ABM to create a small strategic account play or run this to market uh, a two seller play for partners. So yeah, I'm available. I love it. Yeah. Well, Blake, again, thank you for, for joining us. If somebody is interested in connecting with you, where can they find you? Uh, you can just hit me up on LinkedIn got all my information there. That's the fastest, easiest way I'll respond to you. Perfect. Well, again, Blake, thanks for joining us today. This is Scrappy AB. We hope you enjoyed. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scrappy ABM. If you enjoyed this week's episode, go ahead and give us a follow so that you don't miss a single episode. We drop every single Monday so that you can start your week off right. And if you're looking for additional great content just like this, go check out scrappyabm.com. We're building a library of frameworks, guides, templates, processes, and tools so you have everything that you need to build a low-budget, high-impact, scrappy program. Again, thank you for listening to this episode of Scrappy ABM. This has been your host, Mason Cosby, and we look forward to seeing you in the next one.